0: It's interesting uh, in a world that struggles with believing in Jesus that it can still struggle in light of what happened to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Because I want you to just think about that for a minute. There's nothing more real, more part of the human experience than Jesus' experience in the garden. Because we all know what it's like to be afraid. We all know what it's like to be scared. When you look at these pictures behind you, there are an abundance of pictures that have been painted Um, media that has been composed that seems to be able to really focus in on the agony of the garden, on the agony of Jesus. Because when we read this story, we can feel it because we, we know what it feels like and sense that we know what it feels like to be afraid We know what it feels like to be filled with grief. These artists could draw these pictures because we know what it's like to be afraid of the dark. We know what it's like to fear danger or death around every corner. We know what it's like just to be a child lost in a crowd. Have any of you seen the movie Lion yet? Oh, you got to see the great movie. Your parent pry your eyes out. But a little kid who just gets lost in India, and and boy, when you're watching, you can agonize and think, "Oh, what would this be like?" I I remember being lost in Bradley's department store, thinking I'll never be found again. But we know that that sense of panic. We know what it feels like to feel fear. Last month or so, we've been looking at human emotions. We've talked about how important they are because they help us to know what's real and what's true beyond the cognitive, but right to the emotional, right to the point of being able to substantially feel it. This evening, we're going to look at the emotion that we call fear. Um, Because fear is a confusing thing. When we think of fear, yeah, we think about being lost in the darkness, we think about impending doom, we think about losing everything. We think about being alone and dying by ourselves. We think about what happens if I if I come down with cancer or have to suffer some painful, deadly disease. When we think about fear, we don't want to think about it, and and yet fear can be a very positive thing when we fear the right things. Because, yes, God wants us to fear Him. He wants us to understand that that while He loves us, He holds our lives in His hands. That... That, in order to love him and to submit to him we we have to revere him and know that there is no one like him that in order to be secure, we also have to know that we 're safe and that we 're safe with someone who is far more powerful than we are. Fear in that sense can be a good thing. fear can be a good thing when when we fear getting caught up in doing things that are evil and we understand that yeah. If I, if I do that, that will bring me to a place where bad things will happen and, and that should evoke fear within me. Unfortunately, those aren't the things that we usually concentrate on when it comes to fear. We concentrate our, on our own lives, our own health. We concentrate on our families. We concentrate on our possessions and our wealth and making sure that we don't lose them. We concentrate on our popularity and our positions in the world. We concentrate on our, our, our looks and our, uh, our aging. We concentrate on making sure that we have security systems on our homes. For we fear what might happen if someone were to come in and steal them. We concentrate on making sure we're vigilant when we walk down the streets at night in fear of what could happen to us. We concentrate on so many things that evoke fear that we almost live 24 hours in a state of fear. Wondering what's going to happen to us next? What's going to happen to my future? Will, will my dreams come true? Or, or will I be left at some place unsatisfied with my life? That's the stuff we usually concentrate when it comes to fear. And make no mistake about it, fear will steal your life away. Clinically, we say people who struggle with anxiety usually function at about 65% untreated because the other 35% of their brain is just ruminating over and over again and all the things they're worried about. Fear can make a coward out of anyone. I once had the opportunity to, to treat an NFL football player. This guy was a mountain. He was like... Six foot a hundred. I don't know what he was. I mean, I just, I I felt like a mouse with this guy. I remember walking into the conference room and ducking his head as he came in. And, you know, head away, I, I can only imagine. 270, whatever, big, big guy. And he sat down across from me and he just started bawling like a baby. And he said to me, I've never been afraid of anything, and now I'm afraid of everything. He was suffering from uh, panic disorder, which is just constant panic attacks that just totally unnerve you. And, and yet here's a guy who you would think, what does he have to fear? I remember um, he came for an appointment uh, with Dr. Manzanero, if of ever have seen him around here. Dr. Manzanero is like I don't know, five foot, you know, and uh, and the guy got his appointment wrong, and he was and he was getting angry, and there's little Dr. Manzanero. Now you stop that right now, and I'm thinking, or what? He'll throw you like a football. <laughs> Fear does terrible things to us. The garden is so important to us in our faith because we get to see what happens to Jesus when he's being pressed in from all sides when the darkness is the darkest it's ever been when evil is surrounding him and mocking him when his his friends are deserting him. Can't even stay awake. When Jesus cries out, this morning we're just going to. This evening we'll just take a few few minutes and and look at this passage for a bit. This is a time where Jesus has already. He's already preached his last sermon. He's already done his last miracles. He's come into Jerusalem, and he's ministered to the people, but his time got less and less, and now he's just alone with his disciples. Knowing that that his time was near for the cross, he spent it with that core group of people that they wouldn't be afraid, that they would understand, that they would feel safe and secure, And then, probably around midnight, on that Thursday, or some people argue Wednesday, but it was probably right around midnight, he went into the garden to pray, to seek God, to seek comfort. It's interesting, the word Gethsemane, it means wine press, and it's so apropos because, yet yeah, when grapes are pressed, the juices are, are pressed out of them. Almost a metaphor for life being pushed out of somebody. And that's what was happening to Jesus in the garden. I want to look at this for a minute. I want us to see the reality of fear and, and yet the reality of how God would have us to approach it. I want us to see the, the power of God in the midst of it. And so let's just take a minute and look at Matthew's gospel. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here. While I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Now, why did he take Peter, James and John and not the others? I I suspect because they were going to be the primary key movers and leaders in the church. Because he wanted them to see how to deal with fear when it comes. He wanted them to see what God can do in the midst of crisis. And so he calls them to come, and this was Jesus' inner circle. These were the people that, that he looked at to be the leaders and so he calls them out from the others. And you, and you would think that they would be vigilant. That they would be thinking, you oh, know, there's, there's something here for us in this, that, that he wants us here. Let's not miss anything. And yet we read, Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, Father, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. Now, he wanted them there because he had something for him. I also believe he wanted them there because they were the most trusted, and he also wanted just the human support that we all want, because while Jesus was God, fully God, he was fully man. Go back a, a slide, because look what we're told: Jesus. He said to them, "My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow." To the point of death. What does that mean? How could Jesus be afraid? Let's go on a little bit. He fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. When he came back again, he found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them again and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. And then he returned to his disciples and said, Are you still sleeping and resting? Could Jesus be afraid? What in the world could he fear? Plenty of people have died for, for what they believed in. Plenty of people have willingly gone and displayed great courage. What is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death? Overwhelmed means overwhelmed. You're undone. You're undone with sorrow. What sorrow was he undone with? See, he wasn't just looking at his death. The fear that came over him as a human being was a fear of bearing all of the sins of humanity upon himself and thus being separated from the Father. Because in order to bear the wrath of the Father, yeah, he had to be cut off. See, the only thing that concerned Jesus was not the pain of the cross. It wasn't the physical suffering. The only thing that concerned Jesus that makes perfect sense Because if you're a sinless person, it's because you walk in communion with God. And now that communion was going to be broken. Now he was going to have to stand as the enemy of God. Because that's what we were. God's enemies. And so he was going to have to put that on himself. For the first time. In the community of the Trinity, he was going to have to separate and become our sin. Overwhelmed with with the sorrow and despair and doom of our sinfulness that separates us from the Father, he put on himself. And have to endure the wrath of the Father in the midst of it. No one's ever done that. No martyr who ever dies for his faith, which is incredible, will ever know what that's like. When we die for our faith, we enter into a greater connection and communion with God not a separation but that's what Jesus had to bear for us the one who walked so close to the father the one who would say to the disciples time and time again my time is not now your time is any time but my time it's the father's time and He's separated from that for us have to carry all the doom and despair and evil that we've committed that separates us from him he put on himself how could he do that how do you deal with such overwhelming anguish the fearfulness of something like that You do it when you put the sovereignty of God over the fear of man. That's the only way you can do it. When we put God's sovereignty over our fear then we can face any fear. I love a a line from um, the musical uh, opera, Jesus Christ Superstar, where Jesus is in the garden and it's it's a great scene of anguish. And he says, My God, thy will is hard, but you hold every card. I just, I love that. It's a recognition that things can be hard and overwhelming. But God holds all the cards. All of them. God moves the pieces around the board, every single one of them. What is it that was able to, for Jesus to say, God, take this cup away from me, but if not, then let your will be done. Yeah, did Jesus want to be separated from the Father? Did he want to become an object of evil and scorn? Of course not. But he knew his Father's will, and he knew the Father's will was perfect. What happened? What would happen if you and I, in the midst of our worrying about money, in the midst of our worrying about our health, in the midst of our worrying about our family, our kids, and how they're going to turn out, and whether we're going to be able to retire? What? If, what if we just said, "God, Your will be done." Because it's going to be anyways. And that's just the reality. And God's will is perfect. And it is perfect and pleasing to those who seek it and follow it. No matter where it leads them. Because otherwise, if we don't tap into the fact that God holds every card. If we leave one area out, fear will take over. I um, came across this little ditty I thought was pretty good. My grandfather rode a horse, but was afraid of the train. Excuse me, my great grandfather rode a horse but was afraid of the train. My grandfather rode a train but was afraid of a car. My father rode in a car but was afraid of an airplane. I ride in an airplane but am afraid of a horse. This is human nature. We don't evolve, our fears just shift. Unless we're willing to go anywhere and do anything that God wants us to do and not worry about it because God is in control. Because God is sovereign. See, doing it's very easy. All we have to do is pray. And say, Your will be done. That's it. It's as simple as that. Because when I say, Father, Your will be done, I know it will be okay. Because it always is. Yeah, I might not get what I want. I might have to mature. I might have to sacrifice. But in the end, I only gain. Fear is terrible stuff. It's one of the number one emotions we struggle with every day. I think it's the number one emotion that separates us from God. And yet what Jesus did on the cross and making us the children of God, we no longer have to do that. All we have to do is to look at what God's son did and know this is how God's children react in the midst of fear. They pray. And they say, God's will be done. There was a Division general who was going to look at command of Army Rangers. And so they all got together for that special day and they all fell out and were waiting for inspection. And the general went by and he saw this uh, one young man from the South and for whatever reason just went after him. And this kid, I mean, boots were shining, belt was polished. All his medals, where they were, they were, where they were supposed to be, and and he looked great to everyone else. And yet, this general walked up and just started picking things and and said to him, "Well, look at your, your coat. You know, you're frayed. It's all frayed. You, you, you need you need to take care of that." And so this young Southern kid says to him, begging the general's pardon, sir, but. I'm an army ranger and we're never afraid. It's important for us to remember that. That we're covered with a cloak. We're covered with the will of God all over us. God only lets you wander so far. And yet we pay for our wandering. But in the end of the day, he's going to bring us right where he wants us. At the end of the day, he's going to bring us right where he wants us. So we might as well go and not be afraid. When we say his will be done, it's not because we said it. His will is going to be done. Because it's never frustrated. It's never thwarted. It never fails. And if we can hook ourselves to that, then maybe there'll be a shift in us that we'll be afraid of the right things, that we'll be afraid of doing anything that would separate us from God, that we'll be afraid of going into evil, temptation and if we're afraid of those things first and foremost what is there to be afraid of let's join our hearts in prayer